Pick and Roll Podcast. Alright guys, and today I have a good, good one for you guys. Uh, this is going to be, again, these M- individual full game player breakdowns. And this week we have uh, Duke versus Syracuse. With Judah Mintz watching him, Tyrus Proctor, Kyle Filipowski were the main guys to talk about from that game. And then um, we originally were going to have Colorado versus Arizona. And um, the other game was supposed to be Terrence Shan, Illinois versus Purdue. But Terrence Shannon didn't play for Illinois. And Cody Williams and Tristan Da Silva didn't play uh, for their teams either. So uh, basically, I had to switch those two games out with two new games. So I have USC versus Cal. So uh, USC has Isaiah Collier, Bronny James played, Kobe Johnson was in that game, uh, Jalen Celestine, 6'7", small forward, and Jason Tyson, playing for Cal, main guys that could be NBA prospects, breakdown. And the next game that I added to the list was uh, Tennessee versus Ole Miss, and uh, that Tennessee's got Dalton Necht, and now Ole Miss has got a few guys that might be NBA draft worthy, but there's one guy that I'm really going to focus on. It's Alan Flanagan. I'll describe him when I break him down. And the NBL game for the Alex Sar versus Bobby Clipman is the game that I watched in the NBL, NBL big time game. Both of those guys are first round draft picks. The last game that I broke down was Indiana versus UConn. They played a while ago. But those two centers, I really wanted to watch play against each other. Kyle Ware versus um, Donovan Klingon. Stefan Castle did not play in that game, so I'm not going to really break him down. Really going to only focus on Klingon and Ware. So, yeah. All right. Let's kick it to that first game, Duke versus Syracuse. I'm going to go ahead and start with Syracuse with Judah Mintz. Judah Mintz shooting. He's six foot four, sophomore shooting guard. He's averaging 19 a game, three rebounds, 3.9 assists, 44% field goal percentage, and his three-point percentage is 35.7% and 78% free throw percentage. You know, it seems like for the Syracuse team that they don't really have any other main ball handlers on their team, so he kind of gets like, he, he handles the ball like he's their point guard. Like, he brings the ball up the court, initiates their offense, and the odd thing about it is those assist stats are fluff. Like, he's an average shooting guard passer. Nothing too special there. He causes a lot of turnovers. Uh, you know, it, it's more out of necessity for their team since they don't really have any other really good ball handlers that he is having to handle the ball as much as he does. You know, he's, he flashed, like, some pull-up mid-range shots. But other than that, there wasn't much shot creation there. Um, you know, six four is tough for the two guard position. That's a smaller two guard. Um, you know, defensively, he's not he's he's below average to poor defender. He has real issues staying on ball, staying in front of people. It's not really that impressive there. He he can still get to the rim and finish, but he's a very you know late second round draft pick grade. I have a fifty through fifty five grade on him. This is the second full game we've watched of Judah Mintz, and we won't talk about him a single time throughout the rest of this year other than these two games. That's the last time we're gonna watch somebody play that's a second round grade like this. I'm not gonna watch too many times. So last time we're gonna break down Judah Mintz. He's gonna stay on the fifty through fifty five on my uh grade for him. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move it along to the Duke side of things, and I'm going to go ahead and really just focus on two guys. The first guy we're going to go ahead and focus on is Kyle Filipowski. He's a seven-foot center. Right now, he's averaging 16.8 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, 3.1 assists, 1.4 steals, 2 blocks, 1.6 turnovers, 
50% field goal percentage, 70% free throw percentage, and 31% three-point percentage. You know, what you got to like about him is the post skill. It's, he's a very unique prospect but because he, he's not overly athletically gifted. If I had to term him, I'd say average to below average NBA center athlete. Somewhere in between those two um, where is where he lies. But his footwork in the post is extremely elite. Still looks extremely elite. He still flashes some really nice ability to handle and get to the rim. And, and his handle looks really advanced for the center position. He can face somebody up in the mid-range and even in the three-point line and handle the ball and get to like a spin move near the rim and try to finish at the rim. Or, you know, he has he has some really interesting stuff off of his game, off the handle. You know what I mean? And the 31% three-point percentage is nice. It's definitely improving. It was like 28 a few, uh, a few weeks ago, so it's improving, and it's becoming more of a selling point for him. He's better at defending the rim than he was last year. He still isn't a below-average rim defender. And, you know, there will always be questions about is his his skill going to be enough in the NBA to have his his game translate due to his lack of athleticism. But he still shows some really, really good passing clips. He's definitely a good passer. And I do think Alperin Sangoon's success in the NBA makes him more valuable because there's a lot of similarities there. Can he pass just as well as Alperin Sengun? Yeah. Alperin Sengun's shooting from the three-point line a lot this year. Um, you know what I mean? He has the chance to be a good three-point shooter. He has the best post-footwork I've seen since Alperin Sengun, right? So they both have, you know, really great footwork coming into the NBA draft. So there are some similarities there. So, you know, I think because of the similarities to Sengun and Sengun's success in the NBA I haven't moved up a little bit to an 18 to 20 draft pick. He was like 26 to 30. But the more I thought about it, the more I think there's a lot of similarities. There really is. And he's really improved defensively. Last year, he was terrible defensively. Now he's at least passable. So, you know, this guy has an extremely unique game. And I'm really excited to see him in the NBA because it's just an odd but unique prospect as well. The best way to describe Kyle Filipowski. Alrighty. So the last guy from that game, that Duke side of things, is going to be Tyrese Proctor. Yes, he's a 6'5 point guard. He, let's go over the shooting. He's averaging 10 a game with 2.3 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 0.8 steals. Looks like 1.2 turnovers, 48% field goal percentage. Um, oh, wrong. 45% field goal percentage, 77% free throw percentage, and 33% three-point percentage. So, Tyrese Proctor. I guess I guess he listened to the last podcast because I've been saying so many times, why does he not drive to the rim? Why does he not drive to the rim? Why does he not drive to the rim? Guess what he did against Syracuse? Drove to the rim, and it looks so nice. Man, Tyrese Proctor looked really good. By far the best Tyrese Proctor game I have seen. Man, was he looking good getting to the rim. I mean, I'm, he's 6'5", good athlete. Like, dude, just go to the rim, right? And he did it. Man, it was so nice. He re- he really, really improved because he's just so tough, and he really looked dominant near the rim. 
And he even has, he shows, I've never seen him drive to the rim before, so I didn't know he had this in his bag, but he also has a floater near the rim as well, which is scary for a six foot five guy to have a floater near the rim like that. And he also showed, which was the idea, hey man, you attack the rim and now you can dump it off to Kyle Filipowski's of the world, the Mark Mitchells of the world. And he hit those guys, those bigs and those passing lanes, and it led to a really efficient game. It's uh, because look, he's six five, right? Everybody in the NBA loves their tall point guards. Loves them, loves them, loves them, loves them. Okay? And it, it comes down to the ability to attack the rim. You know, NBA is such a high-quantity pick-and-roll league. And the ability to attack the rim, find shooters on the perimeter, find the big on the, the dive, and then pick-and-roll and being a lob threat and things of that nature, right? That's what they want them to be able to do and, and shock rate on top of that. But when it comes down to Proctor, it was... Well, you have all these gifts, but you're going to run the pick and roll and you're not going to attack the rim. But now, oh man, 6-5. Now we got to worry about a 6-5 guy attacking the rim, being able to hit the lob and hit it, having a floater, a good finishing ability and building make passes. And also he's a really good defender. So, you know, Tyrus Proctor has always had top 10, top five pick gifts, right? But he wasn't using them, but now he's using them. So, you know, he's he flew up my draft board. I have him. 12 through 14 pick right now, you know, just inside that lottery grade. Yeah, it, that was impressive. It was really impressive. And I really hope that I can see more games of him keeping on doing this because, wow, I I never would have guessed that I would be saying, hey, Tyrus Proctor looks so good driving to the rim today. Like, where does this come from? But I'm happy for it, right? And I genuinely believe that's what his true potential is. And I'm just so glad that he's playing towards that now. So hopefully he continues to do it and it wasn't just like a one-off game. And trust me, there's plenty of guys to watch in the ACC that will watch plenty more Duke basketball as the season goes on. Next game up. Yeah, so I had to cancel uh, the Illinois versus Penn, the Purdue game. So the game that I looked at failing that slot was USC versus Cal. And I've been doing a lot of research on these teams that are in these big top five pro power five conferences trying to find guys that could be nba draft picks and i found two guys from cal so you know big time game here isaiah collier Bronny james really excited to talk about this so first man up is isaiah collier let's talk about him isaiah collier's a six four some people think he's six five but i think he's six four point guard from usc right now this year he's averaging 15.6 points per game 2.6 rebounds 4.3 assists 1.3 steals 3.6 turnovers, 50% field goal percentage, 67% free throw percentage, 31% three-point percentage. Well, you know, I've been really high on Isaiah Collier all this year. Um, I feel like everybody else is, though. You know what I mean? And I definitely feel like his body frame still reminds me a lot of Drew Holiday. But there were some things that wowed me about this game. First things first, he's still such a phenomenal passer. I mean, just so gifted. The idea that every time you watch him play, he makes you say wow multiple times still keeps on happening. He did that same thing against Cal. I mean, dear goodness, man. He he just has passing gifts, the ability to throw it so fast and so accurate and, you know, have touch him when it's closer and passes and his location, his accuracy and his feel. Dude's dude's passing upside is unreal. And the Deron Williams comp makes sense skill and passing wise because dude's got Deron Williams level passing. Deron Williams was one heck of a passer in the NBA and in college. And, you know, one thing I would, would like to say, too, is I compared him to Drew Holiday athletically speed and quickness wise. And 
you know, it was a little bit of a hamper for me to see him rise up a little bit more because I thought that his athletic gifts were good, but not like overly good. But whoa, has he gotten faster and quicker as this year has gone on? First thing I noticed was like, man, he looks a little trimmed. He looks ripped right now. He must be really in game shape right now. And man, is he looking fast and quick. I mean, he is blowing by people. I mean, it, it was, he definitely looks faster and quicker than he did at the beginning of the year. And a similar thing happened with Zion Williamson when he was at Duke, right? Like game one, he looked different than game 20, right? Game 20, he was looking faster and quicker and more athletic than he did game one. That's what's happening with Isaiah Collier right now. And he's looking really elite. So he's jumped up in my mind fast and quickness wise to De'Aaron Fox rather than Drew Holiday, which is just one <laughs> of a compliment because that's, that's how elite quick and fast he's looking i mean it was impressive um he's also getting more vertically athletic throughout the year as well uh but he's 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 more gifted speed and quickness wise than he's vertical athleticism which is why i haven't comped to De'Aaron fox but you know honestly speed and quickness wise i thought john morant at first but then i was like well not vertical gifts with john morant let's not go too far but you know the fact that i have to throw out the names like john morant and De'Aaron fox is really putting into perspective how fast and quick he's looking on the floor i mean pair with six four frame and how strong he is and the drew roddy drew holiday body frame is insane and, you know, that plays into his just nobody can stop him at the rim. There's there's not a person in this world that can stop Isaiah Collier from finishing at the rim. He's too big, too strong, too athletic, too good finishing through contact. Man, is he good. And another thing that he's really gotten better at is defensively. I used to be the guy that was like, hey, man, this guy is not defending very well. Whoa, did he look good defensively. Look, when he's your 6'4", that, that level of athlete, that strong, he has the potential to be a very elite defender, but he wasn't really doing that. But, you know, in this game against Cal, he was defending, man, was his feet moving. He was really giving a lot of effort. He was giving people issues. Isaiah Collier put on the best defensive performance I have seen him do. And now I have him graded as a good on-ball defender, which is a huge difference between a below-average defender. And his 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 defensive ceiling is through the moon. Because, again, 6'4", strong, athletic, all the gifts that he has, that's, that's the gifts of a really special defender. And he's showing those flashes of being able to do that now. You know, he still shows a pull-up mid-range shot, and there's some rare flashes of three-point shot creation, but it's not super a ton there. Him with NBA spacing and all the three-point shooters around the floor and his speed and quickness just puts him at such an elite level. And, you know, I still believe he's an exact replica of Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday body and physicality-wise with athletic gifts of De'Aaron Fox with scoring skill and the passing skill of De'Ron Williams. That's one heck of a compliment. Honestly, the only thing stopping him from being a number one pick level talent is the 31% three-point percentage. It's really low. So right now I have him graded two through three pick. But if that thing, that three-point percentage gets above 33%, which is not that crazy of a jump here because he's he was at like 28 and now he's at 32 right now if he gets it over 33 he'll be a number one pick level talent that's just dudes unreal dudes 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 the dudes the dudes the real deal when it comes to point guards in the nba and he can definitely be the best player in a basketball team be a superstar level player in a basketball team i mean isaiah collier had one heck of a game and he's he's moved into number two on my big board above alex sar right now he's still behind Terrence shannon all right 
Wow, what a fun game. Ed, hey, what a, what a fun game to another fun game. One Kobe Johnson is, he's a still really good defender, a 6'6 guy from USC, really good defender here. He averages like 2.2 steals a game, really moves well. His three-point per shot is getting up there. He's 31%. If he can get it near 35, I'll think about him in like late in my big board. But, you know, he's intriguing. We'll see how the season plays out. But right now, I still don't have him on my top 60 big board. The next man to break down, man, it's going to be so much fun talking about this. <laughs> All right. Next man out to break down for this USC game. And the last person on this USC team, Bronnie James. You know, I, I saw him play on Christmas Day against Oregon, and I'm not, not going to break down that game. I was just trying to, you know, have a game on, and he looked a lot better. And I'm he looked like what he looked like against Oregon, so this could be fun to talk about. Bronny James, six foot four, shooting guard. Uh, he's averaging 6.7 points per game, uh, 1.6 assists, 1.3 steals, uh, 44% field goal percentage, 64% free throw percentage, 27% three-point percentage. When it, it comes down to Bronny, he's still on a minutes restriction because of the heart issue. But, man, does he look so much better than the last time we watched him play. I mean, he looks like such a good athlete right now. Speed, quickness. He has also a really strong frame. He's a big dude. And those type of traits leads to what I'm going to say right now. Man, is he a good defender. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 was he a good defender. Man, he's elite on ball. The way he moves laterally, the way that he's intelligent and jumps passing lanes and, you know, tries to break up pick and roll offenses. Like, he he was intelligent mixed with really elite on ball defense. Man, can Bronny James defend. Wow. that It was impressive. It was really impressive watching him defend. He is very elite defensively. He, he's going to be in the talk for the best two-guard defender of the draft. That That's definitely going to be a conversation that we're going to have. You know, he's a good passer for the pit shooting guard position. His, his passing is still very good. He shows some nice pull-up three-point shots and a behind-the-back mid-range step-back shot that he missed, but, like, that shot creation looked really good. The footwork on it looked really good. It's really intriguing, but the 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 selling point here is man was he dominant at the rim one he had one crazy there's a defender at the rim and he's on the right side of the rim and he like acts like he's going one way to the right and mid air his body able to body control and he finishes underneath the arm and then at the rim dude I, I I can't. There's not many guys that have the body control midair like he does. Man, <laughs> it was dirty. Oh my goodness! And he also had a really nice like when he was running a pick and roll action. Man, did he go flew toward the rim and look scary attacking it. He looks scary attacking the rim. He can really move so fast, so quick. And he's such a good passer that he keeps you honest because he'll hit the roll, man. If if you try to help too much and you, you try to play him too much, he'll make the good pass. Man, his his body control at the rim is just elite. So, you know, still the three-point shot, 27% is really bad. Um, I'm guessing as the year goes on, we'll see more flashes of his shot creation abilities. And, you know, his three-point sh- shooting splits will improve. I definitely could see him easily being a top 10 pick. That's how elite his body control, his defense, his athletic passing for the position looks like, right? 
it's it's just going to develop as he gets back to in the flow of things after the chest, you know, the heart surgery, right? I think it was a surgery or something like that. Uh, the heart issue, we'll just call it. As he gets back from that, he'll definitely, he could definitely fly up this draft board. Right now, I have him 22 through 26 because the upside is just too, oh my goodness, right? Uh, draft grade. But he could definitely move top 10 because that's how special the gifts are man so intriguing Alrighty, we're gonna go ahead and move it to the next part of that team that matchup that game it it's gonna start with cal so cal's got jason tyson who's six foot seven and they also have jalen celestine who's also six foot seven so we're gonna go ahead and start with jason tyson he's averaging 20 points per game 7.3 rebounds 3.2 assists 50 percent field goal percentage 35% three-point percentage. And, you know, he's a slower guy. And, you know, the first time I saw him, I was like, eh, he's a little slow. But he he doesn't post as much as you think. He he definitely is somebody that gets to the rim very well. I mean, and he has a really odd finishing ability, really odd time shots, and really odd layup package is the best way to put it. Very unique ability to finish at the rim at the rim you know he shows some flashes of mid-range shot creation of shot creation out of the post really tough shot creation abilities um extremely odd play style is the best way to put it it's it's very off tempo you know he's very skilled he very because he's not a fast not a super athletic guy so you know he has some rotations but you know the good passing ability is also really intriguing. He's a really good passer for that seven six seven size. I could definitely see his passing miss with his shooting being an intriguing backup small forward in the NBA. So right now I have him graded as a fifty six through sixty draft pick in the draft. Right now it's going to be intriguing to keep on watching him play. And the the NBA draft pick from that team also is somebody named Jalen Celestine. So six foot seven, two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's a junior. He's averaging let's see here 7.9 points per game 50 percent field goal percentage 50 percent three-point percentage 76 free throw percentage and you know when i when you talk about Jalen celestine you've got to talk about really elite three and d guys right three and d guys are in college are not high scoring guys usually they're definitely on the side of things where they're usually not as many points per game they really usually have good three-point percentage. But 3 and D guys ideally have a stronger frame. Because defenders in the NBA, being stronger framed really matters. Because you got to be able to play through contact, physicality. There's a lot more elbows in people's backs when they're making moves. And there's a lot more little things that go unnoticed in the NBA game where physicality is needed. Especially on the wing. When you got somebody like Kawhi trying to do mid-range shot creation and put his body into you and shot creation off of that, right? Like, there's a lot of little tricks that are done in the NBA that, you know, favor more physical players, more physically gifted players, stronger players, especially speaking. Like, when you think about best defenders in the NBA, you think about Jimmy Butler's of the world, PJ Tucker's in the world. You think about Grant Williams, who's one heck of a defender, right? Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Scottie Pippen. Those wing guys are strong, okay? There's a reason why there isn't any super thin, small forward lockdown defender. You can't think of one unless they played in like 1960s and 70s where they weren't as strong as they are today. You know what I mean? Especially on the wing. So it it doesn't exist. It, it just does not exist 
for those guys to not be strong. And there's a correlation to that. And there's a real, I really truly believe in it. And Jalen Celestine is built, right? Extremely strong, six foot seven. And the only guy on Cal that could guard Isaiah Collier was him. Okay. Like, I don't know what Cal's head coach was thinking. I would be like my best defender, most physical defender needs to guard Collier. He just, and yeah, but you know, I, I, He's so strong. He's able to guard multiple positions, really fluid. You know, he shows some flashes of being able to attack the rim. But this also comes down to, man, shoots 50% from the three-point line. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, so his ability to be a standstill shooter is extremely important. You know what I mean? And that is really because his ideal fit is a 3-and-D guy where I really believe that he can be a high-level backup rotational small forward in the NBA. And I have a grade on him as a 40 to 45 draft pick. And I I, I, I don't think he's not going to be drafted. I, he's, he's just too good of a 3D fit in the NBA. And he's got a really good mix of skills there that really makes defenders legitimate. And yeah, Jalen Celestine's a really good ideal 3D fit in the NBA. All right, next game up is Tennessee versus Ole Miss. This is the third game we're breaking down. We're going to go ahead and break down Dalton Necht. He's still one heck of an off-ball mover. I definitely feel like he's... Oh, I'll break down the stats real quick for you guys. He's 6'6", two guard, 15 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 43% field goal percentage, 36% three-point percentage, and 80% free throw percentage. All right. So yeah, he's a really good off-ball mover still. There was a lot less pick-and-roll running through him in this game, but they also blew Ole Miss out, so they didn't really just use him a ton in this game. He only played like 19 minutes, and you know, he just didn't get many opportunities on, on the floor because Ole Miss was getting blown out in that game. They sat him pretty early. So still an average defender. I still really feel really confident about the Austin Reeves comp because of the pick-and-roll running that I've seen him do. He did it so much in the last game in Illinois, even though I didn't see any of it this game. I've still seen a lot of tape to believe in that skill set. I do think I had him a little too highly rated before the last game. Before this game, I, I had him like an 8 through 10 draft grade. I feel much more comfortable with the 12 through 14 draft pick rate. Um, but definitely the the eliteness of his ability to shot create in the pick and roll and then come off ball. It's a really unique skill set that really only Austin Reese has that six six length and Austin Reese leads to a winning out impact in the NBA. So I definitely feel like Dalton that can still be a very you know carbon copy to an Austin Reese. All right. So we're gonna go ahead and kick it to the next part of that game, which is Ole Miss and somebody that nobody is talking about in NBA drafts. Um, and that is Alan Flanagan. He's six six senior from Ole Miss. He's averaging sixteen point two points per game, seven point three re- rebounds, three point four assists, forty two percent field goal percentage, thirty nine percent three point percentage, and seventy nine percent free throw percentage. So when we talk about him, it's a really interesting game. He's an extremely smooth guy. He's very strong, well-built. Um, he's, he's definitely a strong human being. I definitely really like his build and his smoothness athletically. It's a really good mix, at least in being a pretty solid above-average defender. And then we're going to go ahead and break down the next part of his game, which is really long arms as well. And then when we're talking about his frame, his frame plus a really good handle 
allows him to just easily get to the rim. I mean, he can easily get to the rim and easily finish at the rim. It it doesn't look hard for him at all. It's it looks so smooth that I think it underrates how effective it is because he looks so smooth doing it and he's just kind of like oh yeah this is a normal move but no he looks makes he makes it look easy right and definitely something that i really like about his game is the step back three-point shot really looks really intriguing and he cuts off that three-point shot really well which is a lot of people do when they do the step back three they cut to the rim when the defensive player tries to overplay that step back three um it's a really common combo that leads to a lot of success in the nba and at least has some intrigue for his scoring upside. He also flashes a really nice spin move into like a, a, a fadeaway shot. It's a really nice move. Again, he's just so smooth. Really, He really just takes what the defense gives him. He's a really good passer. He makes some really nice passes for the true guard position. It was really nice to see. And I definitely feel like he's in a really unique spot because his 6'6 height makes him a really tall shooting card. Or, you know, because he's 6'6", he can also play small ball, small forward for some teams because he's a stronger guy, right? But he, he can guard the point guards. So he can guard the any, he can guard one through four, unless the four is like the Kawhi's, you know what I mean? But uh, the normal, stance, the, the, the Marcus Morris's of the world, sure, he can guard them. And, you know, I definitely feel like his positional versatility, how tall he is for the two guard position, his passing mixed with his shot creation, the smoothness, how well he defends, really is an intriguing player in the three point percentage. 39% three-point percentage is really incredible as a standstill guy. So I have him great as a 31 through 35 draft pick in the draft. There'll be plenty of teams to watch in the SEC, right, including Kentucky and all of those teams. So we'll have plenty more games to watch of Alan Flanagan. It'll be really interesting to keep on breaking him down. A really intriguing guy that nobody's really talking about, but I definitely feel like he's a very much NBA talent. All right, the next game to break down is the um, NBL game. It's the Taipans versus Perth. Basically, Alexander Starr versus Bobby Clipman. People have broken down before. When it comes on Alexander Starr, Starr, <laughs> Starr. Uh, he's seven foot one. He's averaging, let's see here, around 10 points per game off of 50% vehicle percentage, 29% three-point percentage, and uh, 4.4 rebounds. I definitely feel like, you know, he's still such a smooth athlete. He has great balance. There's just an extremely athletically gifted guy. You know, he still has a natural handle. His footwork and speed is still a natural, you know, tough thing for normal centers to guard. The tough things, though, is in the past few games, he was showing, you know, spin moves and fadeaways or, you know, Euro steps and really interesting shot creation off the 7-1 handle, right? And that was the intrigue. But I only saw, like, one shot creation off the dribble this game at all. And, you know, the more I watch him play, the more I think he reminds me a little bit of Evan Mobley offensively, where Evan Mobley at USC had a similar thing where if you put this highlight tape tape together, you'd be like, oh my gosh, wow. But like, it was like once or twice a game, you'd see the shot creation, right? It was extremely rare and you really had to just watch him a lot throughout the season to see things like that. But it was just this game, he just didn't show any of it. And, you know, that's leading me to think that his offensive skill set might be a little more raw than I was thinking earlier on this, this draft season. He's still one heck of a defender, 7-1 Evan Mobley defensively. He's that special defensively. Super great mover. And I definitely feel like, you know, he's he's reminding me a lot more of Evan Mobley in the rawness offensively. So, you know, I have him move down to a 2-3 to three draft pick rate instead of number one draft pick. And yes, he is below Isaiah Collier now as well. 
I still feel like he's a lock to go top three, but you know, he's moved down the big board for sure. And um, I, I was expecting more, honestly, because I thought mid season after all these games away that we'd see improvements in his skill set. And we just really didn't see it. He's honestly regressed a little bit. It's very odd. Um, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and break down the next player in that game, which is six foot 10 Bobby Clipman. Now Bobby Clipman is averaging 10 points per game, 4.5 rebounds, 45% field goal percentage, 36% three-point percentage. It was really impressive game, honestly, because Bobby Clipman has always been a 3D power forward. Somebody that's in intrigue is shooting the three-point shot, how smooth he is, how good of an athlete he is, a really stronger guy, moves really well defensively. And that was the whole thing was 3D power forward, but you didn't see as much handle. And this game, wow. He wowed me with the improvement that he's made in his hand. I mean, it was really nice. He really got to the rim, attacked the rim, and he was really aggressive. And it led to a lot of free throw shots and then him living at the free throw line that game, which is a really a, a new thing added in because you, he could definitely handle to the rim even when it's not wide open in there. It's no longer, oh, okay, if somebody over closes out too hard to them, he can dribble to the rim and get a look, open look. No, when he's somebody he's just guarding him and not trying to close out onto a three-point shot threat, right? he can still get to the rim, which is a unique wrinkle that he did not have beforehand. So he's risen up the draft board. He went from like an 18 to 20 draft grade to a 14 to 18 draft pick. I definitely feel like he still shoots the three-point shot so well. And you're basically getting a 3-and-D small forward at 6'10", which defensively, that adds so much length and height to your team it really helps your identity as a team and becoming a better defensive basketball team he can help so many teams just because he's so long and strong so you know bobby clipman has moved up the um the way i view him as a really great game really excited to watch more basketball with him all right we're gonna go ahead and kick it to the last game of these breakdowns it is indiana versus yukon the main thing that i wanted to watch and break down from those games is the center matchup so donovan Klingon, this is the second time we watched him He's still a you know seven foot two, two hundred and eighty pounds. Man, he's so big and strong. He's averaging twelve points per game. Oh my bad, fourteen points per game. One point three assists, six point three rebounds, fifty fifty three percent free throw percentage, sixty three percent field goal percentage, and the man is still such a phenomenal defender at the rim. He gave Kyle Ware issues. Oh my goodness. You're watching him play and like, yep, yep, that was insane. That was insane. Look at that crazy contest. Look how well he contested that. He's still great in the pick and roll contesting even through when he's in drop coverage. You know, this guy is incredible defensively defending the rim. He is extremely elite. He's one of the best interior rim defenders prospects I've scouted in the past four years. He's still a really good rebounder, good screen setter, a good roll man, can finish at the rim really easily. His 7'2 size really helps with that. And I definitely still feel really confident with the Roy Hibbert comp. Seven foot two. Roy Hibbert was a seven foot two guy. Donald Klingon's not overly quick and fast, and neither was Roy Hibbert coming out of Georgetown. But Roy Hibbert was one heck of an interior rim defender at his peak in Indiana. And, you know, he gave LeBron James a ton of issues. And, you know, one of the reasons why they had such a good team when Paul George was on the floor was was because of Roy Hibbert and what he was doing defensively. And his big and strong and then his girth and his ability to be so strong and d- intelligent at defending the rim is what I really believe Donovan Klingon is. You know, he's just such a special rim defender. And it gave Kyle Ware issues. Seriously. 
Okay. So we're going to go ahead and kick it to Kyle Ware from Indiana. Um, oh, and I still have Donald Klingon ranked as a 2012 through 2014 draft pick in the draft. Um, the next part of that game is Kyle Ware, seven footer. Um, he's a sophomore, 242 pounds. He's averaging 14.8 points per game, 1.9 assists, 1.4 blocks, 8.8 rebounds, 33% three-point percentage, 71% free throw percentage, 56% field goal percentage. And, and you know, in this game, he really just shot the three-point shot so well. He flashed the ability to you know be in the jab step and like jab step and fake that he's going to handle, do something with the handle, and then shoot the three-point shot. It's really interesting. You know, he's so fluid, such a really good athlete. He guards the perimeter as the center position extremely well. You know, he flashes some decent shot uh, shot blocking at the rim, but his thinner frame is going to take like a year or two in the NBA to develop to become a good defender at the rim. Uh, but I definitely feel like his three-point percentage is the real selling point for him. Now, it has gone down. You know, a few weeks ago, it was at 40% three-point percentage. Right now, it's at 33 So, you know, if it keeps on falling, then he'll fall down my draft board. But I'm expecting it to, to, to be around 35% at the end of the year with his draft grade. I have him graded as a 14-18 draft pick. I really feel like he's a high upside guy at the center position and his ability to affect basketball games. And it's going to take time defensively, but I definitely feel like there's a lot of potential here. But if that three-point percentage keeps on falling, then he's not going to be where he's at right now. So really intriguing guy. I really can't wait to break him down again. And uh, yeah, a little bit of intrigue going on here. So that's going to be the end of the podcast, end of Breaking Down podcast. So I'm going to give you guys a little talk to about what is going on next week. Next week's games, we've got G League Ignite team. We're going to watch Ron Holland, Matas, Bazelas, all those guys. We're going to watch uh, Michigan versus Indiana. The Oliver Nakamaru and Terrence Williams from Michigan and Kyle Aware. We're going to watch Kyle Aware again. And we're going to watch Oklahoma versus TCU. Uh, Oklahoma has a few guys that might be draft, press work, draft pick worthy, with draft worthy, and so does TCU with uh, Emmanuel Miller. And we're also going to watch, hopefully, um, if we can find the game of him, Zachary Rocher. Those are the four games that I have confirmed for next week. I'm going to add some other game to this list, but I'm going to have to think about it more and think about what game to add because Miami and Wake Forest didn't play because Wuga didn't play against Wake Forest. So we're going to watch. We were supposed to watch that, but I'm going to cancel that game since Wuga Popular didn't play. So. All right, so I have exciting news for you guys. Now, officially, I have a built a website that has my mock drafts and my big boards, top 60 big boards, and the top 60 picks on the mock draft. And I'm going to link that in the description of the podcast. You can find it in the links of social media accounts. And it's really exciting. It's really, really good in-depth stuff uh, that I have in there. So you guys are definitely going to want to check that out. The big board and the mock drafts are always going to be there. And, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to have the website now. You guys can finally go from the website to the podcast and you know, get the extra pack pick and roll podcast information so next week is gonna be fun thank you guys for listening really appreciate it i hope you guys have a great week and see you next week